buddy. And uh, let me get this. Let me get this thing going. We are being streamed live, Facebook Live, and I am going to record this for. Um, this but i'm gonna try it anyways hey everybody it's wednesday whiskey wednesday there you go that's what i like to hear the unbridled lust of whiskey people hey everybody welcome to whiskey wednesday i hope you're having a a great day because you're gonna have a great night because i have the man the myth the legend himself the spirits medium to the gods mr randall bird is here tonight And even more importantly, we have some great whiskeys from Copper and Cask. That's right, the whiskey stylings of Copper and Cask, which is one of the several brands that I represent and I work very directly with. Um, to kind of give you an overview, I work for a company called Latitude Beverage, which uh, if you know 90 plus sellers, they also have a wine division. And uh, recently they started a spirits division of which I do a lot of things, but I'm called the Barrel Master. Oh, you called other things too. Yeah, I requested originally to be called the Master of Bungholes, but they thought that that was. <laughs> it was taken, actually. Yes, Believe it or not. had that in the company. It so. was taken. But, uh, you know, basically here tonight, we're going to talk about a brand of sourced whiskey that we put under our uh, label Copper and Cask. And all Copper and Cask bottlings are at cask strength, non chill filtered, no color added. And are generally single barrel expressions, but you're going to see some exceptions to that. We'll talk a little bit about that. But also in the portfolio are uh, Hunt and Gather, which there are only two releases of because it's a rare or small batch. It's, you find. it's come as you find it, right? Right. When you so find something when we get something it. good, we'll put it out as a 15-year Kentucky was the first bourbon one. was the first one. And then the second one was a 15-year Canadian, which you will see versions that have now kind of transcended the original hunt and gather bottling into a cask finishing program, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then of course, kind of the, the big kind of workhorse of our, uh, portfolio is going to be the workhorse bourbon and rye. And this is a 35 or under $35. Yeah. It's like 30 bucks or so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two and a half to three and a half year bourbon or rye. Pretty nice product, but um, again, today we're focusing a little bit more on the copper and cask. We're now in the process of bottling some more uh, wheel horse. Uh, oh, really? And uh, wheel horse is, of course, referring to the horse on a on a team that does like the husky that's the lead dog. Right. The wheel horse is the one closest that actually kind of drives the team, does most of the kind of directing and labor behind pulling whatever okay. the cart is. So. Let's get right into copper and cast because people are not here to listen to me talk. You're here to drink. So um, I'm going to start off with something that uh, is a very controversial thing that I've been saying recently and has got me in trouble with the company. And that is that I do not believe that whiskey should be transparent in terms of what the information is. And to explain that further, I think transparency reserved for like the CIA or the confidential documents that you're trying to figure out what and how is happening. But what I believe is that whiskey should be educational. It should be upfront. You should have all your questions answered, not after the fact demand a reveal, okay. which is what I would call transparency. Are right, you playing loosey goosey with terminology? No, but I doing. think it's different <laughs> distinction because as you look at yeah, each no, of I the bottles, right. you're going to see that we try and put as much information as we possibly can on the bottle. And that includes the mash bill, where it's sourced from, the proof, the ABV, the non-chill filter, as much detail as we can put onto the bottle. Especially so that the I don't have to line. get up or you don't have to go to a website and try and find out what the backstory is. You should be able to pick up the bottle on the shelf and teach yourself or learn as much as you can from the actual packaging in the bottle itself. I, and I think you're, you're correct. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, fill in the blanks that are on the label. There is one thing that you need to be clued in on, which I think is is a little bit differently different. It's the 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 basically the two letters at the beginning that's in the circle, sure. and I think we'll get to that tonight and explain what that is, right? Because that's the only thing that's sort of like you got to know the inside scoop 
in order to know. Yeah, and it's not it designed to be confusing. No, it's designed but it's so when pretty, we look it's at it. It's pretty straightforward once yeah. we get into it. So the very first one, without further ado, let's start drinking. Okay, so this yeah, so this one is um, for the birds. You want to go through it? Yeah. Well, I'll, so I'll, I'll explain yeah. kind of what you're looking at. And if you had a close up of this bottle, but I know you guys are a bunch of savages. I'm not going to pass around the bottle and have it come back empty. And but oh, I've you've been, oh, you've been before. You've been here before. But I'll kind of walk you through what the label says. And the first thing is it's a red uh, coloration, which is reserved for either our weeded bourbon or our cask finish program, which is going to come a little bit later. This is, of course, a weeded bourbon. And it is MI-133 is the code. So this is the code that you're talking about. Right. MI means MGP for the M, Indiana aged. So we're going to see one a little bit later that's MGP liquid that we've moved to Florida and aged the entire time in Florida or Kentucky into a Rickhouse in Kentucky. So we have, the two we have a first couple iterations codes too of that. are MI, MK, or MF that we'll see. And these, and the third thing that you're seeing on here, the letter 133 is literally the barrel number. So when I receive the barrels into the warehouse, I put a code right on it. I'll write MI, and then we started at 100. So we, 101 was our first. So this will be the 33rd barrel that we got into the warehouse. And they're progressing up and we're now well into the 700s. Um, so within a year, we've gotten well over 500 barrels right. out and sold. And so it's doing pretty well. You've named it for the birds. Well, but if you read this a little yeah. bit later, uh, I'll, we'll get right into that. But four year, 58.5% alcohol by volume. And this is a straight bourbon whiskey. When you look on the back, it says Lawrenceburg, Indiana. It was where it was distilled, which is where the MGP distillery is. December uh, 2016, it was filled into the barrel. And then August 2021, it was bottled. And so you can, the math is on the front, but you can also do that uh, from the back label as well. And it's 51% corn, 45% wheat, and 4% malted barley. And so um, the For the Birds label, I'm going to let you explain what that is, but let's get right into tasting this. The reason that we drinking. picked... The weeded bourbon to start is because you're going to have a lighter, kind of more silkier uh, flavor texture. and texture uh, than you'll see with some of the more high rye bourbons and other things that we're going to get into in a little bit. But so for the birds, a, yeah. So now barrel thirty three. So now you're into a true weeded a, a weeded bourbon. Yeah. Um, uh, thirty three out of Indiana. No, no one. Larry Bird. The guy who brought us all the barrels that we picked up, Randall Bird, for the birds. So that's where this name comes. And Randall and I have started naming barrels quite a bit, uh, quite a bit ago, just for us to remember. As a mnemonic, yeah. To yeah try as a mnemonic to, to um, you know, it's gotten sort of fun, but it usually always relates back. There's something that relates back to um, the bottle and the whiskey itself, the name. It's just not, you know pulling stuff out of the air, just an, oh, that'd be a fun name. Let's do that. We try to use it as uh, to pull it back to why we picked something or a flavor profile or something that was going on. In this case, it's the number 33 out of Indiana. What else would you do come from Boston right. for the birds? So, and Randall had done and when, it. So. When you're picking back in the day when we would pick or select whiskeys for the Lock and Key Club or Julio's, quite often the barrel code is a 15 digit number. <laughs> and remembering that and remembering what the number was, was really what kind of kicked us off to name stuff because we couldn't. And people would come did, back. You hey, did remember 10 barrel, barrels and yeah. you're, you're, I couldn't remember. They what go, remember barrel thinking. number 78920? Yeah, no, I don't. No. But, and, and then we needed a reference point for ourselves. But if you said to me, uh, fly boy, I would be, that's a four roses where the fly landed on the glass while we're at the distillery and then fell into the fly, into it, the it, liquid. It literally passed out. And that was one of the things that helped make our selection, but it was memorable. And so that's how we remember or know what that is. And so there's a little bit of story behind some of the names, but often, you know, it's just to kind of not put it out as a serial number that would be difficult to kind of remember. It's a little bit easier with our system because system 33, I mean, you're not talking like crazy 16 digit numbers, but if you had a sample bottle from any distillery, even like, uh, you know, Heaven Hill or Four Roses or anything. It literally is a, a map of just digits and numbers. So 
this written house actually I should probably pull the one we did but anyways it doesn't really matter barrel serial number seven nine eight nine two three five from so, you know warehouse whatever yeah, but, sample size all these other things so that's kind of like a little backstory to lock and key and also the julio's picks but the name is supposed to be helpful in remembering it or distinguishing it so if you came in a year from now and said i really enjoyed the for the birds we would be able to kind of go oh well that, that was a weeded bourbon and uh not, we're sold out but we may have some other weeded bourbons right. from old elk or something like that so yeah. or even another a new one from copper and cask yep so all right so what do you guys think of the first one number one yeah good um make sure the arrow is pointed to you so you're p- pulling uh, whiskey from the right slot but number um, one number one with a bullet Oh, and birds. And I probably shouldn't. Yeah. So one of the interesting things is that I pull an origin sample immediately. Once we receive the barrel at the warehouse, which is in Rumford, Rhode Island, which is right near East Providence. And we're trying to get the uh, bourbon assault vehicle outfitted to maybe it'll make a field trip down there. You can see how it's how we do our process. But we receive the barrel comes off the truck. First thing I do is put the number on it. Then I rack them and store them. But I also weigh the barrel to see. Uh. Like much what the content is, is. Yeah. a barrel itself generally weighs about 110 to 112 pounds. There can be slight variations in wood thickness and that can cause the weight. But if at a 500 pound barrel, you're going to subtract that 110 pound uh, barrel weight out and get your net weight of the liquid. And I also run a dipstick into it to try and get a level. Um, Which was also a name they were going to go with instead of barrel master. Right. But was, we decided against that one too. Yes. The dipstick. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I can also kind of get this aggregate of numbers so that when we're trying to um, bottle for the store or for whoever, we can kind of predictively analyze what we think we're going to yield from that actual barrel. We're going to get a little bit more loss to evaporation. There might be a slight leak, but some of the barrels come to us half full. And so that's good to know because, uh, it may have a lower yield and you're maybe looking for the holiday or something to have something closer to the 30 to 35 case range, right. which is typical, but some of them yield as little like uh, Blackheart yep. um, had only uh, 18 cases that, that came out of that entire barrel. So yeah. you guys, so everybody like the uh, weeder. Let's go on, All right? right, let's keep moving. All right. So we're going to keep moving on. So keep on keeping on. Okay. Now the next one is obviously is the, is the Canadian whiskey. Right. So you're very lucky that we have, uh, we took that 15 year old. Right. So the hunt and gather 15 second, second, the hunt and gather two, which was a 15 year old Canadian, 96% corn whiskey. Many people have had it. If you haven't had it, it was pretty delicious, but it was a light 120 proof spirit that was Mm -hmm. like very dessert like. To the point where a lot of people who enjoy bourbons, there's no real wood spice. There's no real kind of backbone to it. So it's light and sweet, delicious, but different from a bourbon. Well, we took stuff that was left over from that project for Hunt and Gather. And you had sourced a barrel um, from a project with Sagamore. Sagamore. This is a Sagamore cognac barrel that they, they, they aged rye whiskey in, in, in a cognac barrel. So we got the barrel after the rye came out. So it's a cognac barrel that had previously aged rye from Sagmore's uh, spirits. With the Canadian now put into it. So now the name that you came up with as a mnemonic was? The Rye Canadian. But Rye, W-R-Y, and Canadian spelled like with an E-N. Canadian. Indicating the uh, French Canadian for the French cognac cask with the Canadian whiskey. So that now you're starting to understand how the madness works with the naming. Yeah, the first thing it, I guess it's not going to help you, but it, it helps, helps us, us so. a little bit. But enjoy right the, off the enjoy bat, the names. Fifty-nine percent. So this is a very hot liquid, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more proof strength than the one that we had previously. We don't add. You guys all should have some water. Color. Too. We don't chill filter, but this was put into the barrel at 120. Came out one proof, one uh, one degree or one percentage point less uh, at. 59 instead of 60 and it was aged probably for five six months before we bottled this and that was from a cast that you donated to our warehouse that we filled right so this is part of a new series that i'm i'm working on called the legacy project and you'll see a a number on these legacy projects because it's your legacy barrel at our warehouse doing our liquid into it 
But for this particular one, it's CFO3, and this is the second code, which is if we don't have the origin barrel, barrel number 133 on the first example, because the hunt and gather did not come to us with a specific origin barrel, right. we will finish it into a separate cask and that will become CF or cask finish number three. So that was just the third one that we did. It's the third cast finish one that they've ever done. Right. Now, the first one, if people remember, this one was first contact, CFO1. The uh, second one was CFO2, second to none. And both of those were cognac casks, but two separate cognac casks that actually tasted different, even though they were in the same length of time, bottled at the same point, had the same DNA. What's really interesting to me is that the... 15-year-old Canadian is the exact same DNA that you would get in the hunt and gather bottle. But if you taste across all the different variations, very different presentation, very different styles that take on the cask finish of what we're putting it in. But let's get to tasting some of this. And there's a little bit less data on this one, not because we can't be education or transparent, but because when we buy for hunt and gather, Many times the distillery will make us sign an NDA so that we can't disclose the origin. So if they're going to sell stuff that they don't want to have their name associated with, not because it's bad, but because it's going to just detract from their brand or their particular image. This is what 90 plus does. They buy a lot of stuff from very renowned uh, wineries, wineries yep. but we will have to uh, keep the name off of it. We do put a clue on the back. This is from a distillery in Alberta, Canada. If you know Canadian whiskey, there aren't a whole lot of distilleries in Alberta, Canada, and you can probably figure this out, but uh, went into uh, the barrel in 2005 to be taken out in 2022. So a 15-year Canadian in this expression. Now, have people tasted yes, this, yes. got into the... Right, let's, hold on yes. Was hunter-gather Canadian one um, barrel? In order to do hunt-and-gather as a general rule, we have to have at least 15 barrels worth. But when we purchase the liquid from uh, this distillery, they decanted into totes. And so we received it for bottling for hunt-and-gather in totes. And I had uh, essentially a tote left over that went into these cask finishes. Uh, probably about five barrels worth, but it's a 250 gallon tote, roughly. Uh, it's actually, it's an IBC uh, tote, pretty stable in the tote, but I like to get it out of the, the tote as quick as I can because it does nothing really while it sits in, in the tote. But once you get it into a different finisher wood, now you're starting to add flavor. So that's part of one, one of the clues, and I think Ricky hit the, on the head. If you're talking about the cask finish, we don't have an origin barrel because either it's been batched or it's been uh, uh, received in a tote or in a quantity that we can't list back to the barrel. And the, and but the I will give you a clue. About the, it's, about the, it's about the cast finish, though. Right. It is I mean, about the, the cast finish. The whole finish. thing is about the cast finish, too. But I can't do cast finish 133. That's right. I have to start from zero and I'm going to go up to probably a hundred before we have to figure out what we're doing with those numbers, because we started a hundred with the M series, the MGP, which is currently what we have, although we may be sourcing some Texas or Tennessee whiskey, which will have to change the code from M to whatever the other distillery is. Right. But there is another variation that I don't think we have. Here. Yes, we do have here DC. So the new designation is, double cask, and that will have an origin barrel. So if we took the For the Birds 133 and put it into a rye cask, it would change to DC 133. So we're still alluding back to the original cask that it came into. We can track it to that. We can't with the Canadian tote. And so that would change to a DC or double cask instead of a cask finish. Everyone kind of get the three codes it's really most of the stuff you're going to see is going to be an MGP, so an M start with a Indiana, Kentucky, or Florida F, K, you know, or I, I K, and yeah. then the number of the barrel. Right. You did a you did yes you you actually started with the barrel and then you moved it to a second barrel for a finish, so that's a double cask. Right. That's how they're they're 
we had some arguments about whether it should be called DB, and everyone thought that that was code for saying something mean, and then double oak, and but we ended on DC double cask um, to indicate that it's at least two different types of barrels, but we've kept that one barrel as a unit and moved it into another barrel. Another barrel. Okay. All right. What, what do people think, think of the, the Rye Canadian? It it doesn't have a lot even for higher alcohol. It doesn't have a lot a, a, a lot of heat. If you add a couple of drops of water to that, though, however, there's some other flavors that just burst out of this thing. It's really really flavorful, and I think that the um, I think that um, cognac with the rye going in there, and then the rye being the last thing, I think that spiciness cuts a little bit of the sweetness of the Canadian. Um, that's it started it. And I think it gives it a little bit more structure. Yeah, um, a backbone like almost. Yeah, I like the it. The Canadian 15-year is very sweet. And for a lot of people who are not really fan of the wood spice that you find on a lot of the bourbons, especially the older bourbons, that dryness and that wood spice, it was a real crowd pleaser. Some people did not like the Canadian 15 uh, just because it was too sweet. But I think this adds a little bit of dimension yeah. to that. Well, I'm really happy with this one. Yeah. I think it came out really, really, really nice. And I should say that you worked with uh, it's Sydney's in Chicago. This was a um, this was a one that we did with um, the part of this went to Binnie's. I think that, is it even so on the on? back? It says U.S. Mail Project, and that's a code as well. Us, yeah, yeah, yeah. Massachusetts, Illinois. Illinois. And so, so U.S. Mail Project. So the only place this was sold was here at, at Julio's and and at Benny's in Illinois. Kind of makes sense. Now there's another one that was also that same split project, which is called Habsies. He took half, which we're not tasting we're not, tonight. Yeah. But there's only like there's less than I think there's like ten bottles of Habsies left. We're trying another product that has the same mash bill tonight. Though. Yes. So um, questions about the. Cast finish 03, the Rye Canadian. I like that one. What's that? Citrus oil on that? Yeah, yeah. And a kind of candied note to it. There's a candy well, so it's that's like, the Canadian. Yeah. That's the 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 base whiskey on that. That's that's what's showing through on that. All right. So uh the next one that we're gonna do is the Burrow Brothers. Okay, so this is we're back to kind of more of a traditional lineup. So the code on this one is MK147, the 47th barrel we received, and it is an MGP liquid that's been aged in a Kentucky rickhouse. So what we're finding is that it may or may not have a big difference where it's stored, but people like the story. They like to... to but it's, it is a difference between Indiana and Kentucky being yeah. done in Kentucky. And this one's done in Owensboro. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, that's where we get the Burrow Brothers, right? Where it was stored. So the, you're going to explain the name, but while you're while we're, we're talking about this, is a six year, and so this is a seventy percent corn, twenty one percent rye, nine percent malted barley. So a twenty one percent is our kind of lower rye mixture on a bourbon, and this is aged six years, but fifty seven point one percent, and uh, in June twenty fifteen into the barrel. And out August uh, 2021 last year from Lawrenceburg, Indiana. And this is no finish on it other than the barrel that it went into. Right. But MK147, and you want to explain the Burrow Brothers name? Or? Well, just that was because where it was, where it was age, both of them and Burroughs and Westboro do Owensboro. Yeah, Owensboro, Kentucky. Burrow Brothers. And that's where it's in Kentucky. Yeah. So um, the mash bill? 70, corn, sure. 21. And then 9% on the uh, 21 rye, 9% malted barley. Malted barley, yeah. So, so a little bit more of a traditional style, uh, six year aging. I thought this was pretty delightful, but decide for yourself if you like it. What was the ABV on this one? 57.1. Yeah. You like this one a lot? This one's pretty popular. I don't think there's much of the Burrow Brothers left. Yeah. It's, um, it's like before we're playing with some styles that the we did, the Canadian really is definitely popular. a little bit oddball, but now we're right into uh, what MGP does very well, which is a traditional mash bill and making a great bourbon. I like this one a lot too. You guys like this one? 
I have to kick you out if you didn't. Sorry. No, I'm just Rick, you look like you had a question or. Well, no, we have a contract with uh, Wheelhorse. He just asked if why was being aged in Kentucky. Right. We have a contract yeah. with uh, Wheelhorse at the Green River Distillery in Kentucky. And we have moved barrels from the Indiana, uh, essentially concrete six-story buildings into rickhouses in Owensboro, Kentucky, um, as part of Different our aging process. But sometimes we occasionally could come across like the next one we're going to see where we found it that somebody else had bought it, bought a bunch of barrels, and then we're now essentially brokering the barrels or selling them from a different location. And that's going to be the Florida one that we're going to see next. But those particular ones, and we're now in the, um, I'm trying to do a project that I will call ghost ricking, which is moving, specifically moving product into available warehouse space in different locations to change where it's being aged. But this was like kind of the genesis of that. We had some storage room. We had a contract with them about the wheel horse. And so it was like kind of a happy partnership with that. But we're going to see a little bit probably more aggressive style on where we're aging and, and where we're sourcing from as it changes. They haven't, we, I, have you had two barrels that were similar and decided to age them in different places to see if there's uh, differences? I think that you're thinking harder about this than well, we're trying to just find we're trying to barrels. Get barrels right now. We're trying to find barrels and, and this Good is tough now. In the last few years, this has really exploded. So, I mean, I could probably go through our extensive library of origin samples and compare things that have the same mash bill because almost all the stuff we're getting is from MGP. So you would get the 21% uh, rye mash bill bourbon in Indiana, in Kentucky, and now you're gonna see it in Florida. So you can, you can compare them side by side, but the wild card in any situation of aging is the barrel. So you can have it taste identical at the beginning but once they're in two separate barrels, it can go in completely different directions. It has nothing We've to do with We've done that with, with several. You've, you've, you've been fortunate enough here that you've seen some of the things that we've actually presented to you guys that have done that. Uh, uh, Funk and Soul from uh, Wild Turkey that we did. Um, the um, Old Elk that we did, the vanilla. Uh, 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 wafer. Vanilla wafer. And we did the Swiss Miss similar all of that similar in, in like in sister barrels uh showing different but there shouldn't have been any difference other than the barrel so um we've tried to show that so there is if you put them in extreme different uh climates to age yeah i think you would see something different but how much is that is where it is and how much is that of the barrel is now going to be up to a little bit of debate yeah, and one of the ones that recently happened that we, that you've sold out of your product on, and there were only a handful of these cases around which are not available anymore, are Black is My Soul, the lock and key pick, and Blackheart, which is my latitude pick, um, were both uh, flawed barrels that started to leak. And so they at that distillery at Green River, they grabbed virgin charred barrels, which is completely unusual, and so they did a double aging in double virgin charred barrels, leading to a very dark coloration. It looks almost like uh, the color of Coca-Cola or coffee. Or my and soul. That's why black is my soul, black heart. <laughs> we don't add color. We didn't add anything to it, but it definitely looks darker. And they do taste somewhat similar, but they've, again, gone different, little bit different very directions. different directions yeah. just because those barrels are different. No, they do. Uh, some really people, old. I don't know. It depends no. on what you like in the flavors. To me, it tastes like almost like a vanilla diet, uh, vanilla Coke. So, I mean, we sold out relatively quickly and everybody wants everybody tried to try to grab as many as they could. So. Um, where are you sourcing the barrels? For um, well, when we get more into the cast finish, I'll talk a little bit about that. But generally, we're going to use brokers or we develop connections. We took uh, the Black Heart and Black is My Soul after they were uh, bottled up to 
the barrels. Vermont, the barrels, the barrels after exactly. they were bottled, we took the barrels up to Vermont and put maple syrup in it. So, you know, bottled the maple syrup and then brought them down and then did a project where we aged some stuff in the maple syrup barrels. So we're, I'm, I'm recycling. And part of what I was saying with the legacy project is we will shift Ryan's barrel from Sagamore to source it. Or if you had an Eagle Rare or a Blanton's, although we can't list that on the bottle, you could tell the story of where it came from. Where the barrel, original barrel came from. But generally speaking, the cast finish, the European ones, we're going to have to source generally through a broker. Although we have some connections that we've gotten a few odds and ends from other places. Yes, yep. but we don't source, like generally speaking, we're buying stuff that MGP has laid down. So you have and they, already in Virgin our preferred, Castle. Our preferred barrel is, of course, an independent stave with the air-dried uh, wood. Those are, it's catches catch can, but I wouldn't say that we're sourcing the actual physical wood before the liquid's put in. We're kind of getting what, whatever we can get after they've already put it in the barrel. Right. So anything that's a finish, yes, we source, but yes, at the start, no. Because you want that virgin oak, ca oak cast anyway. So. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to talk about Florida Man. All right. And this, this one is called It's Florida Man. Okay. So this is very different. So what you're tasting has not been this bottled is, yet. This is number four. I pulled the sample out of the barrel this afternoon. You can see it's a darker coloration, but this is MF596. Remember I was saying we're well into our way to 700s on the number, but this is the 21% mash bill. That we just had in of a 2017 bourbon. So I went in and I had to climb up on this ladder and open the barrel and then put the whiskey thief in. And I drew this bottle because that's how we're going to actually bottle it. We're not going to run it. We're going to run it through a particle filter, probably 10 microns to make chunks. sure that you don't get a bug or with splinter into your uh, liquid, but not really filtering it down to a fine level and definitely not chill filtering it to keep the mouthfeel and the richness there. But this came out of the barrel and this is literally, I'll just move the barrel over to our bottling line and hand bottle and hand label all the bottles. So there's a lot of hand touches in this process. If we do the field trip, you can come on down and see how it's done. Sometimes we let people uh, put out a few bottles and you know, like get to play at the warehouse and see how we do stuff. But what you're tasting here is MF596, so if you know the code, MGP Liquid 2017, but aged in Florida. The big question I always get, what does Florida do for the aging on this? And I'm like, well, taste it and find out. I don't know if I think that there's a huge difference, but the humidity and heat factor is different in Florida than Kentucky. So I think, I think there's definitely we're starting to we're starting to get into that uh, uh, concentration of flavors. Sure. That 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 occur like, you know, like in Texas, we've seen it a lot. And I think you're getting some of this. Do we know where in Florida it was, Randall? Uh, Central Florida. OK. And I don't really have it was this was brought through a broker um, and the uh, Rick houses were not traditional corrugated, but more of a traditional cinder block kind of closer to how MGP stores their liquids. Yep. And uh, some of these barrels were palletized and some of them were ricked, which means the bung was either on the top of the barrel, on the end cap, the flat part, or some of them were in the, like if you rack the them laying down on the side, the bung would be at the top of it. So what what was the, uh, do you know on this one what it was? Because you- It was palletized. I had so This climb. was a palletized yeah. one? Yeah. Okay. And we had it on a, a shelf. And a lot of the Canadian stuff, when Randall and I go up there, most of it's done that way. Yeah. And by the way, a lot of your bourbon is too. You just don't know it. So it's easy to move it around. Yeah. I mean, it's not as romantic, I think, of the story, but I think that you're going to find that for 2017, you're now looking at, uh, I think this is a just about May five. 3rd or 5th, 2017. So it'll, it's broken five years by a couple months. But of course, you're going to round down to the year. You don't add months that this it's in. Five. But it's a darker coloration than some of the even the six years that are up here. So enjoy. This has yet to be bottled. It'll probably come out in uh, mid-September when we do a bottling run or late September. And then you'll see it on the shelves. But you're tasting an advanced sample of it. This has been pre-selected. You're going to purchase the barrel. Yeah. Yep. This is one. And uh, 
I thought it was pretty cool just to see something because most people haven't really had a Florida aged product. What do you guys think? It's pretty good, right? Yeah. I think it's really nice. All right. Well, there you go. Same Asheville as Same the Burrow Brothers. Burrow Brothers. So that's why we put it next to it. So you could sort of see that. Question? Yeah, I think this, I think people are going to buy that one. Yes, sir. How did it end up in Florida? So one of the things that's happening in the industry. With hitchhiking on 95. How does anybody end up in Florida? Right. <laughs> it was it was duct taped and thrown into the trunk of a car. And, With an alligator. But, uh, it was uh, what we're seeing happen is that uh, five, six years ago, people really started to speculate on whiskey. And at that time, people were buying large blocks of whiskey to uh, invest in the whiskey and then flip it for a profit, which only really became profitable during COVID because you could buy directly from MGP pre-COVID and get a better price. But they, by some anomaly, predicted that this was going to probably go up in price, and they were correct about that. So we probably paid double as to what we would have had if we had been able to source it at the time. So it was a, a company that I was, I would say was in a little bit of distress and trying to move money recently. Um, and so they were anxious to sell. We bought a large block of it, but when they were shopping it around and they kept telling people it was aged in Florida, a lot of people who, who might potentially be customers were like, Ooh, Florida, I don't know what that means. And I go, Ooh, Florida. I don't know what that means. Like, it's like, I, it's I know only, that the, I know that the core, that. I, I know that the core liquid is going to be good. It's from MGP. We have a long track record of making excellent product. The barrels are good barrels. So what I think people were like, well, if it was Kentucky aged, we would have definitely bought this. And you know, if it was six years, we would have definitely bought it. But I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, this is, I think I tasted through a lot of it and I thought, this is pretty good stuff. So I think that it was like something that now, if you were to go back with the, how desperate the situation has become in the last few months, people would probably buy Florida age. But I think we kind of came in at a time when, when they were uh, getting some pushback. I think it's, I think it's a, a neat thing. To yeah, go after. I, I, but it's, I mean, it, it's, it, it, listen, at the end of the day, it's always in the taste. Right. So you, you taste it. How, what do you think it tastes like? It's like, well, I like it better than the other one. All right. You've already liked the other one. Now you're, you went another level. So, th you know, there's no there's no downsize except like, oh, man, it was aged in Florida. And well, if you'd be like, oh, again, inflection. Oh, man, it was aged in Florida. If anyone's heard my <laughs> diatribe about Moneyball whiskey, there are a lot of people in the industry who try and predict statistically what the what the whiskey is going to taste be. like. Right. How old it is, from what distillery, what the mash bill, and they're going to know that this is going to be a good barrel. And I'm like, you're you crazy because it could be just as likely to be a bad off tasting barrel as it is a good one until you physically try it and put it through the sensory performance. But you see a lot of people who say, well, I'll buy from warehouse X on the third floor of this mash bill. And I'm like, it's all a bell curve. You might have stuff that you think are, is inside knowledge about it, but the vast majority of it's going to be good in the main bubble. And then at the tail end of it, you might get lucky and get one of the exceptional barrels. And at the other tail end, you might get something that has a little bit of an off flavor because the wood had a north-facing yeah, tree doing, that, that was, you know, just gives you different flavors. And when you're doing a batch, the batch is big enough. You can hide a lot of that stuff. Correct. Anyway. So it's not but a big these deal. Are all, right, these are all they come barrels, exactly right? out of the barrel. All right. So what is the number five? Because they're also trying one that's not out yet. And number five, right? number five, fourth be with you. So this is CFO four. This was initially bottled, scheduled to be bottled on May 4th. Now remember that CFO one was first contact. And so I like the guy that I work with was like, I was like, Oh, that's a good name. It was like the first cast finish, the first contact with a, would he's like no no i love star trek and then i was like okay there cannot that cannot go unanswered without a star wars being represented so cfo4 was an armagnac finish 15 year canadian 
So right now you're going to taste something that's the exact same DNA that went into the cask just before it went in the cask, that 15-year Canadian that we saw in the rye Canadian, but now with an Armagnac barrel for the finish on it. And about uh, six months in that. And so this one uh, we have currently in the warehouse. We ran into, uh, just to give you a little bit of a behind the scenes thing, when you submit to COLA, we have a new COLA agent, which is the label, the government agency that, that approves your label. And they wanted to change the wording on it, um, essentially from cask finished in Armagnac cask to Armagnac cask finished whiskey. So we had to pull back all the labels, rewrite the label in a way that would meet this person's approval and then resubmit it. So it's still, we've got it labeled. It's going to be released soon, uh, but this is going to be a case allocation na nationally, meaning that you're not going to be able to buy the whole barrel, but you might get several cases of it. So if you're enjoying this and like to see how that Canadian whiskey represents in an Armagnac cask. You get a sneak uh, peek. Fifth element was in a Tawny Port cask, Sixth Sense. Uh, CFO six was in a sherry cask and I brought you a those. bottle, but yeah, we've done those. Yep. And so, um, we've, I've been doing a lot of stuff. I have a, a Madeira cask finish one that's in there right now. So there's some just kind of fun stuff that we're playing what around. What do you guys with. think of this one? Yeah, it's a long finish on that. I think you get a little bit of that side of that, like a little bit of that grandma's attic. Yeah. And that. It's got some deeper, richer notice notes and also some like kind of fruity notes. <laughs> it does that I associate with uh, with like the Armagnac as a as a liquid right. or a spirit. Canadian it's whiskey. It's ninety six percent corn. The Canadian whiskey is ninety six percent corn. How used was the Armagnac cast? All the ones that we do for our first blush that you've seen here are first use outside of the origin use. How long was the Armagnac cask used? There's no way. You're, you're just going to get a used cask. You're hoping that it still has a little liquid because if it doesn't, you run into a problem with the cask drying out and then it doesn't hold liquid as well. So I actually recouper these casks. So I tighten the uh, the rings on the barrels. I put I wax the crows, which is the groove that the barrel head. And at some point, um, I'm going to do a class or a bear, a program called Autopsy of a Barrel, where we'll dissect a barrel in front of the uh, class, and you can see all the different parts of it. And we'll talk about all the different aspects of it, including the measurements and and different cast sizes, looking at the char and toast levels, and then everyone gets to smudge. <laughs> their uh, hands and ruin the inside of their cars with the charred stave when they go home. Uh, but basically but it's much better than the, than the, but basically again, this whole education, like I can tell you about all these aspects of what I'm doing, but it's like so much more fun to take it apart and see actually what we're talking about in real time as we go through the barrel. But to ask the question earlier, to answer the question earlier, these we do source through a broker. Um, we've talked to friends of, the Lock and Key Society uh, that do a lot of cognac and Armagnac business. We've been able to source one or two barrels through that. And we also get a lot of our Caribbean rum barrels also through a broker as well. And those brokers can change depending on who has inventory or stock, but those I'm not sourcing. That was, I think, the question earlier, but it was talking specifically about the MGP liquid, which comes in a barrel. So, um, we're not going to get a lot of this guys, just so you are aware. So if just keep that, keep that in mind, if you have a whole card or anything like that, that you want to put in for it, because I think some of these, like the other ones have gone pretty quickly. Yeah. The Rye Canadian, we have enough because we have the whole barrel. He bought the whole barrel. They'll the probably barrel. get two, three cases allocated to here. Um, did anyone have the fifth element, which is my favorite, the Tawny Port one? That is like one of my all-time favorite finishes. And I'll try and see if I can figure out where some of that is. But yeah. but just as a club taste, 
the, the, the variation of the difference on that, which has both that kind of musty flavor that I enjoy, but also almost a rancio. I don't know if you agree, but it has like a richer, almost like uh, uh, buttery kind of depth. That's like almost like uh, leather, tobacco leaves and other things. It's really, really complex it. whiskey. And that's the fifth element. But again, that's pretty much sold out. So these are all a lot of these one one off. So right. Well, we do the to. one barrel right, right. and we're going to try and find another t- a port barrel. I have another. It's a ruby port barrel that we're doing a finish in, but it won't taste the same. Even the CFO one and O2, both from cognac barrels from an identical source, source tasted, tasted different. different. Right. So now we're going into uh, evil a, rye. the evil rye. So Evil Rye was a pick, one of your first picks here. This is MI-104 for literally the fourth barrel we received coming off the truck. And by the way, we get about 80 to 90 barrels at a time. So we we received this barrel at the physical same time as barrel 133. Right. But it just has a lower number because it was closer to the door and it came off the truck first. This is a 95% rye whiskey. And 5% malted barley. So this is uh, one of the MGP infamous Classics. classic rise. It is five years at 53.7% ABV. And it's Indiana aged from MGP December 2015 in the barrel and out on August 2021. And so just rye. This is a really good when rye. you talk about rye. This is really kind of what it is. This is what made him. This is the type of, of, of rye that made MGP famous for rye. 95.5. Was there a question or is that just relaxing? Stretching. Yeah. Bored. Silly. Had enough whiskey. I've, excuse me. This gentleman's had enough whiskey. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, I think this is pretty self-explanatory. I love the, your first initial purchase of several whiskeys was for the birds, Burrow Brothers, Black is My Soul, which was a little bit less volume and Evil Rye. Right. So it was like a nice lineup of all the different kind of expressions. All the and, different mash bills. We had, yeah. I mean, we had almost all the we yeah. had all the mash bills that were available at the time. So if you're you enjoying this, rye. I think it's a pretty. This is a this is a nice rye whiskey. I, I love this one. It's evil. Yeah. Lived up to its name. So, and one of the things I just want to address this because we're you're going to see that, you know, everyone's kind of age crazy. Like they want to get like six years plus. That's like been what we keep hearing over and over again. But we just got in some 2018 of these uh, MGP Kentucky aged rye. That that the rye pops as a flavor at about two to three years. I, we've, and so we've had this just discussion like, like a dozen times. Right. Rye I think that a lot quicker. of people will step over the younger ryes, but if you have an opportunity to taste ryes, even at the two to three year age, great. do not pass up on it because you, you literally could miss something that's fantastic. Because again, that money ball thing, well, I only like five, six year at least. I'll even make a thing that when you start getting into older ryes, it loses. Yeah some of the things that you'd really like about rye. Yeah. That's some older rye that have been like, huh, it's good. But now it's now starting to fall a little flat. You don't get that pop, I think, as 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 well. And the flavor profiles you're looking at in a rye. Yeah. So now we're going to have a different rye. All right. We're moving right along. I yeah. Guess. Why not? <laughs> what did you guys think of the rye? I mean, there isn't much to say about this. It's just really good. I mean, it's a really good rye. Yeah, and we did the rise towards the end because, of course, it's going to be a little bit bigger, bigger flavor. I would have probably put this at the end end, but because we're going to do something a little bit different with these. There's something not on the board. We're actually doing eight, not seven. Right. So if you're reading the the board, it says that number seven is supposed to be beautiful barley. Right. But what we've done, and, and we're going to talk about these at the same time, Randall has brought us back the barrel the the bottle sample that we that we took at the barrel at the time we did the tasting so you're actually going to give get to try something that in the bottle and what we tried is the bottle sample of when we picked this and is it different i don't know you, you're going to be able to judge All yourself right. 
So let me talk about what this square bottle is. is. So when I pull that barrel off the truck, I put a number on it. I weigh it. I pull a sample with a whiskey thief and I put the dipstick in just before I pull the sample to make sure I can check the level. I put it into a square bottle. This is the old hunt and gather bottle. So we're not buying more bottles. And this becomes the library origin sample. And so you can see my handwritten notes on this. This is MI388 rye, 49% barley. If you look at this closely, you can see the actual MGP code, which is 16L20, which means L uh, December, right? If you if if A is January and B is February, L is December 20th, 2016. This went into the barrel. Okay, it's at 113.8 when I pulled the sample. And then on this little color code, all the barrels have this little kind of color flag. The bright color at the bottom is the uh, 2016. And the purple is this special barley, which has a 49% uh, a special rye, which has a 49% barley mash bill. So 95% rye, 5% malted barley. No, it went over. It went one over. Evil rye. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I'm one. sorry. Yeah. yeah. But the evil rye uh, was at 95.5. And this one's at 51.49, 51% rye. So it technically comes out as a rye, but literally uh, the, the largest legal amount of non-rye of malted barley. So what you're tasting here is whatever day that I received this barrel, I pulled this sample and that's exactly what it came out of the barrel at. Once it hits glass, it doesn't continue to age. Now, we bottled this in May. And so there's probably about three, maybe four months between when the sample was pulled and when the bottle was bottled. So you've got an extra three to four months of aging. However, it's in our warehouse in Rhode Island, which is just for, you know, it's, it's pretty, an oven. Yeah, it's an oven in the summer. <laughs> um, but, you know, Let's not, you know, it's not a Kentucky rickhouse. It's not Florida aging. And this is, so what we did was we, number eight, we'll show you what this originally tasted like. And then number seven is what was actually bottled for sale. So I thought it would be interesting. Most people don't get to see the difference of a couple months, but see if you can tell a difference. I happen to love this mash bill because I'm a huge single malt Scottish whiskey fan even the American single malts that are, that are hundred percent malted barley. Yep. But this has a nice kind of balance between the spice of the rye and kind of the, the single malt breaded sweetness that I enjoy from a single malt. See if you like it, but the kind of fun thing for here tonight is that we did number eight, try that probably first. Yeah. And then see if you can tell a difference. <laughs> Well, you, you can, can do go it back either and way. Forth. We told you don't. Now, see, you weren't listening at all. <laughs> You're listening at, and then just did what you wanted to do anyways. But I said I wanted you to, to like taste these like side, go back and forth. You can go back and forth just to sort of see if there's you can detect a difference. Is there a difference? We didn't really know when we put these together if it was going to be a big difference or not. So you tell us. This time you thought you saw a difference. Yeah. You need another round to just check that out. Now you're going to taste the difference. Yeah. I mean, and part of the problem is here is that you're looking at, again, that 56.9%, you know, so it's, it's, I think it's still hot, but like if you were to add a couple drops of water, you could probably pull some of the alcohol heat off. I think you're going to find that this one, number eight is probably a little, just a hint brighter, at least for my palate. It tastes a little bit like uh, a term that I use is brassier, but like a little bit more of a brighter top note. On the other one, it seems to have kind of fallen into a little bit more of the breaded sweetness, but yeah, just but by a hair you, or two. Yeah, it's but very, I, I very close. Tell you though, I think that being said, I think the bottle one, I think is a slightly more balanced. Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy this. You were brought this sample. You liked it. Yep. And then by the time we got, you know, yeah, there's always slight variations, and we know that. But, I mean, we do this all the time, yeah. so we, we know that it's not going to be. 
not going to be dead on, but I think the fact that you get getting to try it like that, I think was sort of an interesting um, idea or concept Randall had for tonight. I thought I really liked yeah, it. I mean, most people don't get the kind of behind the scenes look at it. And normally this would go home with me and I would drink it all, but I decided to share it. You know. <laughs> so, and you can see my notes. This is literally, I put it into a cabinet, which I call the spirit safe. And it looks like a safe, uh, with the big round knob that you open and that's the sold cabinet so that we can't double sell the origin sample. If you come down to the warehouse, we'll show you some of that process. It's also trying to be a fail safe. Yeah. And he says it's a spirit safe, but it's a fail safe because if it's in there, it shouldn't be in any place else. So uh, we've seen be. it happen. We've seen it happen in other places, double sales. So these are sort of safeties Randall's trying to put in place so that that type of stuff doesn't happen. Now, when we go to bottle this, as we move forward, I'll pull a small four ounce library sample out of the square bottle. We'll reuse the bottle. I'll rinse and wash these so that when we have the new barrels coming in, we're just constantly we're not just wasting glass and doing whatever. But we would if I pulled the four ounce sample off of this, I would then pour this back into what the barrel so that we could bottle as many bottles as we could. Right. This has been the new protocol in the last six months. So I pulled this aside because I knew that we were going to be doing something with the lock and key. So I didn't put it directly back into the barrel. However, what I've been doing with the previous samples is making these origins, the origin sample kind of blend mixtures. And if you see right here, you know, the color flag that's here, blue is 2015, green 2016, uh, and then the pink is the 21%. That's a rye. That's a rye. 95, 95. So, made of a, so a, a, I just a, put together right. random kind of collections of blending experiments to see like what would happen if you're mixing a 21% bourbon with all 95% ryes that are older, for example, or all weeded bourbons or a mixture of rye and bourbon or bourbon 21%, 36%. So there are a bunch of these bottles that I went through because I had to clean and reuse these bottles that I've just made blending experiments with. Uh, when I can, I try to do that or I try and make a small pods. note that says, basically, this is about, you know, 200 mLs. You know, I'll try and keep track of it. But in the end, it's just trying to get to an understanding through kind of a random association. There's probably about 15 of these bottles that I can go to and say like, well, if I have small scraps left over, because we occasionally get barrels that are flawed and then, you know, you've got four gallons in the, in the bottom of it. So it's not enough for us to sell as a single barrel, but I might be able to do like a fun experiment or add that into a barrel that's lost some liquid. We would again, put all that information on, on the, bottle. the bottle as right. much as we could. Although you do run into a cola problem with labeling it because it's no, if you add rye to a bourbon, you can no longer call it a rye or a bourbon, but there is ways to say that it's an American whiskey and that you can put a card similar to what not your luxury whiskey uh, Glazier did, which is right. put Just the tell information you somewhere is. else, yeah, not on the, the information label. somewhere else. So you can go look at it. And then I brought in this, which is a new project because we have 12 year Kentucky light spirit. And this has gone into an Armagnac cask. So you know, part of that, we're all constantly working on new projects. I think we have the new Hunt and Gather 3, which may be a 20-year uh, rye. And what I'm doing to do to kind of mitigate or change some of the ta uh, that taste is I'm finishing that in individual MGP 21% bourbon, 21% rye bourbon barrels that we have now bottled. So I have the empty barrel to add another dimension of taste before we recombine that into the batch to be bottled as hunt and gather three. Although if we find that those single barrels are delicious, we could release it as the cast finish or other things. So we're just constantly, I'm trying to play with the flavor experiment to see. Just where always it's trying to get the us. best you can get. Yep. What can we get the best we can get? But we currently have some other things that we're, we're still playing around with and uh, yeah. That's part of the fun. Well, I want to thank everybody. I'll go through a bunch of other stuff. We're going to take ourselves off Facebook Live. Yeah. You can always uh, get these on um, 
our Facebook, Julio's Liquors Facebook page um, as a video. And you can also download them wherever you get your podcast. This becomes, it's the Liquor Talking Podcast on Spotify, wherever you go. Um, you can always find me as Whiskey Journeyman, no E in whiskey, Whiskey Journeyman on Instagram. And you can find Randall Byrne as The Spirits Medium on Instagram too. And you can look up Copper and Cass as an Instagram page also. So thanks everybody for joining us tonight. And uh, everybody in the audience, stay here. Thank you, Randall Bird. And we'll go through some other stuff after we uh, after we jump off.